episode of Trevor Talks here on the Ram Radio at Angelo State University. I've got a great show ahead of us today. Uh, Due to all of the positive feedback on the last episode where I did the new Cool Professors segment, I decided to do it again uh, today. And as I mentioned in the last episode, I had done a winter mini-semester class of business law, uh, and so I've got my professor from that here today, Dr. Conklin from the business department. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. So what do you like about teaching business law? Oh, gosh. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Your listeners may be thinking, oh, my gosh, who would want to take that? You know, you're just flipping through old dusty books and reading statutes and tax codes. And, you know, I mean, that's part of the law, too. But, I mean, the law affects you know every aspect of our life. It affects you know, what you can do on the internet. It affects how your college education is subsidized, what jobs are available, uh, what questions they can ask you during your job interviews. I mean, I, you know, I could go on for the whole 30 minutes, but I mean, it just affects every aspect of our lives in very uh, interesting and sometimes counterintuitive ways. So where are you originally from and how did you end up here at Angelo State? Well, I was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I moved all around because I used to do oil and gas law, so I've lived all over the place. Uh, I was living in Colorado for maybe six or seven years right before I moved here, and I was teaching at a university there in Colorado and was applying for more uh, permanent you know, tenure-track positions, and there was a position that opened up here. And when I applied for it, I didn't even I couldn't even point at San Angelo uh, on the map. Uh, that was one of the first interview questions. They said, "Did you did you know where San Angelo was before you applied for this job?" And I admitted I did not. Uh, so yeah, I just uh, it was a good opening. It worked out well, and uh, yeah, so that's I came here for this position. Awesome. Well, we're very happy to have you here. I personally enjoyed your class a lot. Uh, over the winter mini semester, what is a, a major difference between teaching a regular semester of business law and then having to condense it down into a short three week winter break semester? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges there. Uh, I mean, for the student as well, but there's benefits and downsides, right? Because, you know, just like the student, I get to only focus on one class during that time period. So that, that's a benefit. Uh, I mean, it's a lot every day, but there's no other, you know, distractions of other classes. That's the only thing uh, you have to focus on. I think that's why a lot of the students liked it so much. In fact, just the other day, we were in a meeting and I was talking to some of the other people who taught other winter session classes, and we all said that our average grades were higher than when we teach it in the regular semester. And we were talking about that, and we were talking about doing some research and publishing it on, on why that is and kind of doing a survey, is it because, you know, is it kind of an adverse selection problem where it's just the kind of student who would sign up for a winter session class is a higher caliber student to begin with, you know, quality in, quality out, or is it the fact that they don't have any other distractions, uh, or is it, you know, anybody can focus hard for three weeks, it's when you string it out over 16 weeks, that makes it harder, so we're kind of looking into that, and, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what that is. So anyway, I didn't really answer your question. So yeah, it's challenging to, um, you know, in a 16 or even an eight-week class, sometimes it's easy to get into a rhythm. You know, every Friday this is due, every Sunday this is due, 
And then with a three-week class, it's just kind of like this free-for-all, you know, Monday this is due, Tuesday this is due, Wednesday this is due. Uh, so it can be, yeah, it can be a little challenging. And of course, not teaching face-to-face in general is challenging for me. I like to be in front of the class and, and you know, see people's uh, reactions and, you know, they feel a little more free to, to share opinions in that uh, that situation. So that that's always uh, a challenge as well with an online class to try to kind of mimic a face-to-face class. Mm-hmm. I definitely think uh, th- that was that's a great idea of something to do some more research on. Uh, personally, I could think that it might have something to do with how we've been doing a lot of online classes over the past uh, two semesters anyway. Uh, so maybe people are just kind of more used to doing online classes anyway by now. But I definitely look forward to seeing uh, what you and the other professors are able to uh, discover and researching that. Yeah. So where did you attend college and what did you study for earning your doctorate? Okay, that's a tricky one for me. So I attended 13 different colleges, uh, just wow. kind of all over the place, anywhere from Tulsa Community College to the University of London. Uh, so yeah, I've kind of been around, studied at a bunch of different places. Uh, so my doctorate degree is the JD law school law degree that you know most people think of. Uh, and I got that in Topeka, Kansas from the University of Washington uh, law school. So yeah, a little, uh, yeah, kind of a broad array of, of colleges. There. That is incredible. And uh, we're so lucky to have you here at Angelo State with all of the knowledge that you have amassed. Uh, so when you're not teaching, what do you do for fun? Um, you know, I try to, uh, I, I'm not great at any one thing as far as just like my hobbies and athletic pursuits, but I just love I love starting new things. So like every couple years, I'll just pick a new kind of athletic endeavor or hobby, you know, and just just for fun. I'm not, you know, nationally competitive in anything, but just something new to do. So I just recently finished. I I got into I usually pick kind of obscure things because if you pick something that's big, like baseball or something like that, well, there's people that have been doing that for 30 years. You know, they're way better than you. So like uh, I just kind of finished up doing a cliff diving uh, so I did a, a front one and a half flip off a 33 foot platform. That was wow. one of my goals for that. Uh, right now, I'm kind of working on uh, slack lining. It's kind of like walking a tightrope. So I want to get up to where I can do a, a 300 foot long line and walk across. Uh, so there's always just kind of little uh, things like that. One time, I, I wanted to be able to hold my breath for over three minutes, and th- <laughs> that was really interesting. Just studying the science behind it, and you wow. can kind of train and, and actually get better and uh yeah. so just kind of little silly things like that that i try to kind of i set a goal for myself and it's fun to kind of try something new and then you know move on to the next thing that is so cool uh i love that um so after attending all of these different colleges was there one piece of advice that you got from a professor or a colleague uh, that really stuck with you and that you think could help other students now listening to this oh that's a good one let me think I don't know if I I know any, you know, quotes, but there's definitely kind of some general impressions that I got. Um, Well, I'll say this. Uh, No one ever really told me this, but I'll say one of the best pieces of advice that I would give students as far as just kind of overall studying is to look for shortcuts, you know, not cheating, not plagiarism or anything, but look for shortcuts. Like just look for, I guess I should say, ways to be more efficient, and that's going to be different for anybody. See, I can't just tell you what that is. You know, you have to kind of find them on your own and 
and find ways to, you know, well, this used to take me one hour to do, but I've done it a few times now and I've, I've consciously kind of thought about how to do it more efficiently. So now I can do it in 30 minutes. Um, so just kind of look for those ways to be uh, more efficient. Okay. Awesome. Um, so in addition to being efficient, do you have a studying strategy that you think could be beneficial to students? You know, there's, I read a lot about, uh, when I first started working on scholarly pursuits, you know, my research, I read a lot about, you know, there's books about how to research and how to get published. And they're kind of similar to advice about studying. And a lot of them would talk about, you know, you have to divide up your time. So in a given day, you have your A time, your B time, and your C time. So your A time, and it's different for everybody, your A time is like your best time. That's when you're the most mentally sharp. So you mm -hmm. want to reserve that A time for your most demanding tasks. So for me, that could be like, you know, working on research and editing my papers. And your B time, you know, you're, you're not you know, you're still good, you're functioning well, but you're just not quite at 100%. So for me, I might use that time to grade student papers. And you got your C time where you're, you're pretty exhausted, maybe right before you're about ready to eat or late at night or something. You know, your C time, you could, uh, I don't know, you know, read emails or, you know, something like that that doesn't really require a lot of brain power. So just being cognizant, you know, don't waste, you know, if, if your A time is first thing in the morning, don't waste that, you know, just messing around on the internet and playing around and answering emails and, and doing kind of easy assignments. Don't waste your A time with the easy stuff. You know, be cognizant about when your A time, your B time, your C time is and, and do the hardest stuff when you're, when you're at the most bright. So I'd say that, but then also I found, you know, when I first started doing it, that was good and it made me more efficient. But I was kind of cutting myself off. I was like, okay, I've only got like two or three hours of A time a day. So that's when I'm really going to focus on my research. And then I would stop after that. And I kind of got to thinking, I was like, well, you know, my B time, maybe I'm only 90% as good as my A time. But that's still, you know, if I do an hour at 90%, that's still a lot better than doing nothing. So, you know, you can still kind of push yourself to, uh, to do more. Uh, if that, I don't know, I hope that, hope that makes sense. But yeah, that's, that's for some sure. good advice uh, overall about studying. Kind of, you got to find out what works for you. You can read books about studying tricks and tips, but, you know, it's not, you know, the gospel truth. Like it's, you got to kind of say, okay, well, I like this, but that's not going to work for me. I'm a different kind of personality. Anytime people give you advice like that about how to run your life and how to do things, how to lose weight, how to study or whatever, you know, you got to kind of, you know yourself way better than they do. So, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe something they did works for you and maybe something they did, you know, is not going to work for you. Uh, so you can still learn from that and say, well, that's not going to work. But that got me thinking, you know, I tried to do this one thing last year and this really worked. So I could apply this to this other, you know, aspect of my life. So you got to kind of, you know, don't just read a book about how to do something and then just 100% blindly believe, you know, everything that they say, kind of a... Uh, take it with a grain of salt. That's what I was exactly. saying I was looking for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that'll be really helpful. Uh, so if there are students here at Angelo State who are interested in possibly getting into business law, is there kind of a way that they can sort of ease into that and explore their interests to determine if it's something that they want to pursue? 
Yeah, I mean, our classes, uh, so the the class that you took, it's, it's technically called what? Legal environment, uh, legal and ethical environment of business, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that class, and then there's some criminal justice classes as well. Um, you know, it, it, law school is kind of an interesting thing because you have to have an undergraduate degree to go to law school, but you can have any undergraduate degree. You know, it's not like going into a, you know, a doctorate of medicine program where you have to have, you know, like a biology or some chemistry undergrad. Uh, so you can literally have, you know, an undergraduate in economics or literature or, or anything and go to law school. So if, if you're thinking about, you know, going to law school and becoming an attorney, you know, I mean, technically, there's not like a set, you know, program of study that you really need uh, to follow. Uh, you know, there's people who d- didn't even take a law class in undergrad and, and they go to law school and be just fine. Uh, but yeah, I definitely recommend you at least take the the business 2301 as kind of an introductory class. And it's, you know, it's a sophomore level class. It's not hard, even if you realize you don't like it once you get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'd be something to, to think about what it's like to read a Supreme Court case and, and what the study of law really is. Yeah. And I believe that class, I think, is uh, required for all business majors to take anyway. Yeah. And so if you're already interested in doing a business major kind of program track, You'll probably take that, and that can help you explore your interest in there. Uh, so on the note of reading through Supreme Court cases in the class and things of that nature, do you personally have a favorite Supreme Court case that you think is really important or that you just enjoy or maybe it's kind of funny? Yeah, oh, yeah there are some really interesting ones. Um, let's see. For some reason, maybe it's just the way my mind is. The first thing I think of is just all these bad ones that I don't like. Those are the ones that really stand out to me. So I guess on the I'm I'm a huge First Amendment free speech guy. So I'm initially thinking of some bad example of those. So to be positive, I guess I can flip it and kind of. Well, we can do one of each too. Yeah. If you want to talk about a bad one first and then a good one, that's yeah, just, fine. Just the times that the Supreme Court gets it right and they they uh, protect uh, free speech uh, protections. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think. There's, you know, there's some really funny ones. There's a lot of lower court uh, kind of funny ones that deal with. Uh, it's just a lot of odd stuff that happens in the life that in, in life that ends up uh, going to court. A lot of it doesn't get all the way up to the Supreme Court, uh, but there's been some interesting ones. There was a Supreme Court case that uh, quoted Eminem rap lyrics because it oh. had to do with. Um, oh gosh, I think the original case. Yeah, they were trying to use rap lyrics against this guy, and he was like, well, those are just rap. Like, people just say crazy stuff. Like, they don't have to mean anything. Uh, and so they, they quoted Eminem and like, yeah, he does, he's not actually doing these crazy things, you know, that he's talking about in these rap lyrics. Uh, so sometimes it's kind of funny. And, you know, also with the Supreme Court, you know, a lot of those, those people are in their 70s and 80s. So anytime there's a case about, you know, rap music or – uh, something about technology, about like cell phone. You read the the case, and it's it's clear they they barely know what they're talking about, right? They're you know for, for them sure. for them rap lyrics and and cell phone technology is something that might as well be some sci-fi. Um, oh, it happens a lot with flying like, cars. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, does this you know does this ever happen? It, there's some cases about like uh, searches and seizures where they have you know the police have like different scanners. And the, the Supreme Court justice, it, it's, it's clear they're under the impression that this, they watched some sci-fi movie last night. And so they think these police, you know, video scanners can like 
you know, make out objects inside a room and like walking around and see who's who and, and all this kind of stuff. So that's, that's kind of funny too. Cause they're, yeah. uh, you know, they're a product of their, uh, uh, I don't know, age, I guess, being in their 70s and 80s, you know, they just don't know a lot about that stuff. So that can be kind of uh, uh, funny as well, reading reading those cases, yeah. Okay, and uh, so then you've been here at Angelo State for a long time. What has been the biggest change you've seen uh, with the campus as a result of the current coronavirus situation going on? You know, I think it would be kind of just the overall... You know, it, it's important for people to interact with each other. And I've noticed a difference in my classrooms when I have a face-to-face class because I get to take my mask off in the front of the classroom. We're allowed to do that. Um, but the students can't do that, so they have to keep their mask on. And I've noticed a big difference. They, they don't want to participate as much. They don't want to ask questions as much. And when somebody else says something, they don't want to, you know, kind of chime in and, oh, that's interesting or I disagree and I think it's because, you know, you're, when you block most of your face, you know, that that expression is important to communication. You know, if you, I don't know, like, I guess we're all experiencing this now, but I guess, you know, two years ago, if you walked around, you know, covering up your face, it'd be really, it's, it's, it's hard for people to understand what you're saying, not just because it muffles it a little bit, but you don't get those kind of verbal cues. And I've noticed also myself talking with my coworkers and my bosses I think sometimes they interpret what I'm saying wrong, like not the words, but the uh, kind of the intent behind it. Like they're not giving me the benefit Mm -hmm. of the doubt that I used to get. They're kind of uh, assuming the worst of what I'm saying because they're not getting my facial expression. So if I say something that's kind of half serious or kind of a joke, they're not getting it that way because they're not able to pick up on my facial cues. So I think that's a that's 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 unfortunate. You know, I, I can't wait. Hopefully, I'm, I'm hopeful that in August, you know, we'll go back and, and not need to wear the masks. Um, and I think that'll be a big difference of getting back to it, it'll help people be able to communicate better with each other. Just being able to to see people smiling and, uh, yeah, being able to pick up on those facial cues. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, as as the vaccine gets rolled out and more people are able to take it. Hopefully, we'll be able to go back to a normal if you will uh kind of classroom experience and uh be able to participate more and all of that good stuff uh so you've had to move some of your classes online in addition to the face-to-face ones or kind of a hybrid option Mm -hmm. what has been the the most challenging part not just about teaching online but but handling this hybrid kind of situation well let me think um so I think that's, I mean, just generally teaching a class online is, there's differences, you know, there's challenges involved, you know, you don't have to go, you know, two or three times a week to a classroom and teach. So, you know, that saves a little bit of time, but yeah, you miss out on so much. And I make, as you know, for, you were in my class, you know, I make little videos where I, you know, talk to the camera. And so the students get to see me and see my uh, the, my inflections and how I talk about stuff, but I never get to see them. So I get to kind of, I, I, I kind of miss out on that and, and their interactions. And when I'm in a classroom, I like to um, not really pit people against each other, but I like it when I get people who disagree on a topic and we can have that discussion. I don't like it when we talk about a controversial topic and everybody just happens to agree with the same thing. 
Uh, I don't like that. So I like to have two people disagree and we can kind of talk about that. And then the rest of the class gets to be exposed to both sides. So you miss out on that uh, online. You have discussion posts, so you might come across, you know, opinion that you disagree with. Uh, I think that's also kind of a problem in kind of the big scheme of things with, you know, social media and, you know, all the different news networks, we're able to kind of only interact with people who already agree with us, which is dangerous because then, uh, you know, so I'm obviously talking about, you know, Republicans and Democrats. When you only interact with people in your circle, you get a very warped sense of what the other side is. Mm -hmm. So no matter which circle you're in, you know, if you only watch Fox News and hang out in Republican, you know, groups on, on Facebook, you know, your only exposure to Democrats would be just the crazy stories that you see that are promoted by your, you know, chosen media sources. So you're going to have a very distorted view when the average Democrat doesn't really agree with that and vice versa. You know, you get a distorted view. You know, people, media outlets like to promote kind of the other side as being crazy. And there's always examples they can kind of handpick there. And if that's your only exposure to the other side, then you think, oh, well, you know, every time I hear about somebody from the other side, they're doing crazy things. So they must all be crazy. Uh, and that's not the case. So I think that's kind of the problem of being, uh, yeah, like not having diverse groups to interact with and hear about uh, different opinions, I guess. That's a very long answer. But. For sure. Okay. And so then over the winter mini master, I know you had made some lecture videos and stuff kind of explaining everything going on. Uh, and I definitely appreciate that you put forth effort to make the videos fun. Do you have any kind of background at all in cinematography or any kind of movie making, maybe in a club or college or something? Uh, or did you just kind of pick that up and start doing it for these classes? No, yeah, I don't have a history in that. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, just doing it for my classes. Uh, I did used to a long time ago. I did have a podcast uh, a long time ago. What? I, yeah, I had my own podcast. It was, uh, it's not up there anymore because I don't host anymore. Uh, I mean, I don't pay for the server hosting anymore. It mm -hmm. was uh, Saved by the Bell with Millennials. That was my favorite show growing up, and I still like it. So what I would do is I would take, you know, a younger person at the time, you know, nineteen, twenty-two. And uh, they would watch. We went through all the episodes. So they would watch an episode of Saved by the Bell, and then we would talk about it. And most of it was kind of fun. We'd just make fun of how bad the show was. But a lot of it, it was interesting because we'd get to talking about, you know, just how their shows are different and how things have changed, you know, how technology has changed. You know, they're using the payphone, and, you know, Zach Morris had a cell phone. And he was, like, the coolest kid in the world because he had that cell phone. Uh, so, yeah, just fashion and differences about, you know, bullying uh, you know, Saved by the Bell is basically a pro-bullying show. It's, it's you know, it's very different from uh, the types of shows that are out there now. So it's, it's interesting to kind of use that as a kind of a, a starting point to kind of talk about generational uh, differences and just how silly the show was. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that sounds really cool. I actually the other day was watching an episode of Seinfeld where uh, he ends up on an airplane and he's doing some traveling and the differences between flying now, uh, obviously the listeners know I travel a lot. I probably haven't told you about that, but I travel a lot. Uh, and so seeing all the differences between flying uh, back when the show was recorded uh, in like the 90s, I believe, and then now is just insane. Uh, and some of the jokes, you know, that they make back then are, 
not really considered politically correct anymore. Um, but I, it's still cool to look back on those old shows sometimes. Well, the really interesting thing to think about that, uh, so I absolutely agree, you know, things change, but the really interesting, I would encourage your, your younger listeners, you know, the way that you view Seinfeld and Saved by the Bell about being, uh, you know, very unacceptable today, um, you know, that's the exact same way that people 20 years from now are going to view the things that you're liking. So it's, it's kind of scary to think, you know, the beliefs that you have now and the media that you like now, you know, it's perfectly PC and, and acceptable now, but there's going to be something. You don't know what that is now. You, you can guess. But 20 years from now, people will think that how could you ever, you know, you, you can't even that? say that now. Exactly. Yeah, how could you like that? I don't, you know, I don't know what it's going to be, but it'll be something. Well, and I think even now, uh, I mean, in the past, uh, several years ago, I mean, my sister and I had been watching some shows on the Disney Channel or something uh, while my grandparents were in town visiting us. And uh, they were like, I mean, these jokes that these kids make on these Disney Channel shows are really mean. How can oh, yeah. they how could they put this out here for kids? So it's interesting to kind of see that already happening where uh, it wouldn't have been acceptable to put that on TV 20 years ago, uh, let alone back when my grandparents were, were young. Oh, yeah. Yep. So uh, you had a podcast. Have you ever actually been on the radio before? Um, yeah, a couple times. Uh, I had done some volunteer work in a town, and they we got interviewed on the radio. I was on a the the Austin Fox affiliate a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, t- television, their their morning show for something a couple weeks ago, um, but yeah, I've never had my own you know radio show or anything for sure. Okay, well, it's great to have you on the radio here. Um, so, if you could add anything to the Angelo State campus to make your job easier as a professor, what would it be? Ooh. Okay, this is this is probably kind of a a. a unfair answer it's probably not what you're looking for but in a literal sense if i could add anything to the campus that would make my job easier it'd be like a secretary you know if i had my own secretary that'd be i mean way easier you know they could do the grading and kind of the day-to-day stuff that i i don't want to do so uh yeah i mean that's that's probably unlikely um maybe like a a massage place on campus where we could the faculty could get free massages that'd be nice too that's probably just as feasible as my having my own private secretary but uh other than that i mean you know we got a nice gym i like to go to the gym here on campus um yeah i can't really think of uh anything else uh yeah yeah other than my my own personal secretary and a a massage parlor on campus for faculty. We we could take it out of the student funds and get free free <laughs> massages for the faculty. Um, I don't know. It might might work. It might be uh, might make us more uh, amiable to student requests if we're more kind of relaxed every day that we, yeah. that we come to campus. So yeah, it's unlikely that either of those are going to happen. But that that's my answer. That would be cool though. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's all of the questions I have. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug, or where can people go? Uh, to view some of the papers that you have written for various publications? Uh, so for that, it would be uh, SSRN. I think that's Social Science Research Network, I believe, uh, SSRN.com. And you just type in my name, Michael Conklin, C-O-N-K-L-I-N. Uh, yeah, you can see all my publications. They're uh, 
a wide range of them and check them out. And if you got any questions about them, you can look up my email uh, on campus and send me an email. I'd love to talk to you about them. Yep, and so he's got a lot of them that he had written for various topics. A lot of them are even uh, over current events that are relevant now uh, and other issues that kind of become relevant again every few years. Uh, I got to review one of them as the last assignment in the winter mini-master doing a, kind of a commentary on it. Uh, so that was really fun. I definitely enjoyed that. That's it for the questions I have. Thank you again so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have you. And thank you all for listening. Remember, you can listen live at 3 o'clock p.m. Central on TuneIn Radio or anytime on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.